You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's awesome. Yeah, I know it's uh, something as a kid you dream of playing in the NHL and, um, you know, to get that opportunity to you know, step in the lineup tonight, it, it's exciting and, um, you know, I'm pumped to go. The youth movement continues in Calgary. That was Cole Schwint. He will make his NHL, not his NHL, his Flames debut, excuse me. Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome as the Calgary Flames welcome in the St. Louis Blues for game four of this six-game homestand. As the Flames look to end a two-game losing streak and have some lineup changes coming their way ahead of this matchup with St. Louis. Welcome into the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios. It's Logan Gordon along with you for another edition of Sportsnet Today. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, Cole Schwint has been recalled from the Calgary Wranglers and will make his Calgary Flames debut in place of Adam Ruzichka, who comes out of the Flames lineup. Jacob Markstrom is back in goal for the Calgary Flames. Andrew Mangiapane is back after a maintenance day on Monday. And the Flames also have a massive opportunity to create some distance between them and the St. Louis Blues, another team fighting for that final Western Conference wild card spot. Busy program for you today on a game day. We will get you set for the Flames and the St. Louis Blues with the latest from the Flames locker room coming up in just moments. We will hear from head coach Ryan Huska, Cole Schwint, Andrew Mangiapane, and Rasmus Anderson all on a game day. We'll also take a look at the opposition with our pal Alex Ferrario from ESPN in St. Louis. Blues right there with the Calgary Flames battling for that final spot in the West. How are we feeling about the St. Louis Blues coming into town? Another great road team, 8-12-1 on the season. So we'll get the latest on the Flames uh, opposition tonight. And uh, also big news from the Calgary Stampeders this morning as uh, John Huffnagel moves on from his role as team president, handing the reins to Jay McNeil. We'll dive into all of that as the program goes on. Quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you here on the program at 960-960. If you're listening live, feel free to shoot us a text. We'd love to hear from you on this Tuesday game day. Outstanding producers this afternoon are Cam and Shan. Let's get right to it. Lots of news for the Calgary Flames on this Tuesday game day. But what can I tell you from morning skate? Well, yes, Jacob Markstrom is good to go. He will get the start for the Calgary Flames tonight uh, opposite Jordan Bennington for the St. Louis Blues. Of course, missed the last couple of games out with a lower body injury. Dan Vladar stepped in quite admirably over the last couple of games, including a great performance against the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. But nonetheless, the Flames on a two-game losing streak will go back to their number one goaltender uh, tonight against the St. Louis Blues. Also, Andrew Mangiapane, uh, back in his regular spot with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman today. Uh, that, of course, was of note because he missed Monday's practice due to maintenance, but looks like he is good to go. 
And the big news, Cole Schwint, of course, part of that Matthew Kachuk trade with the Florida Panthers will make his Flames debut after uh, oh, two parts of seasons with the Calgary Wranglers and now getting his first recall with the Flames. You'll remember going back to the beginning of training camp, Schwint right in the mix with other youngsters to make this Flames team uh, was pretty much the final cut from training camp when it was all said and done, but went back down to the Calgary Wranglers has been a kind of a do-it-all, ask-to-do-everything kind of player for Trent Call and the Calgary Wranglers. 20 points in 37 games this year. He does have three games of experience at the NHL level with the Florida Panthers back in 2021-2022. Didn't put up any points in those games, so it's been a while since he's been up at the NHL level, and like I mentioned, this is his first time with the Calgary Flames at the NHL level, so a big night for Cole Schwint. We'll hear from him coming up in just a few moments. So if Cole Schwint is in, that means somebody's coming out of the lineup. That uh, will be Adam Ruzichka. Schwint will center the fourth line with A.J. Greer and Adam Klapka, who will play in his second NHL game Tuesday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And look, we've had the conversation with Adam probably too many times. It's just... It's the roller coaster of, of of the Adam Ruzichka experience, I'll call it. And you'll hear everybody, you'll hear every coach, teammate, anybody that spends time with the guy, he's got all the tools. But putting it together for extended periods of time just isn't his forte. And I'm sure someone will mention it on the text line as we get into this conversation about Adam Ruzichka that he's not suited to be a fourth-line player. And while I I agree with that, that his game and his skill set isn't what you would traditionally look at as a fourth-liner, you have to take advantage of those minutes and prove that you're going to be better than somebody else in any given spot in the lineup. And I'm sorry, go through the the three lines ahead of where Adam Ruzicka has been playing the last number of weeks and tell me whose spot he takes. If the head coach can't trust you on a night-to-night basis to be an impact maker, to it's not just points and goals. It's being around, creating offensive opportunities, creating you know a good forecheck for the next line, all those sort of things that we talk about. They're just not going to put you in those positions in a uh, on a consistent basis, and I can't blame... Ryan Huska, because Ryan Huska is not the only coach that's had to do this with Adam Ruzicka. He's too good to not be a full-time NHLer, but he just doesn't bring it on a day-to-day basis where you can trust him with 20 minutes a night. It's a frustrating process, and you wonder about the longevity of it here in Calgary because you're you're not wrong if you tell me he's not a fourth-line center. He's not. Not a traditional fourth line, grinded out, two-way kind of center. But I'm sorry, there's nobody right now further up in the Calgary lineup that I'm taking out to give Adam Ruzicka a chance because I just don't know what Adam I'm getting. The Knights that are really good with Adam Ruzicka tease you and tempt you and want you to give him more time and more opportunity. And he's seen time, even on the fourth line, 
He's seen time on the power play units. Yes, the power play has been abysmal, but I don't know that he's shown, uh, you know, much more than anyone else has on those power play units that are, you know, proven he's deserving of more time further up the lineup in those uh, opportunities either. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, and I have no problem with Craig Conroy and the rest of the Flames organization looking to other options and saying, look, Cole Schwinn's been a really good soldier for us at the American Hockey League level. He's been passed up a couple times on recalls during this process and has stayed the course and is now you know, going to get an opportunity to push a guy. And maybe, maybe the thought of a young guy coming up from the Calgary Wranglers to take his spot on the fourth line is enough to rejuvenate Adam Ruzicka and enough to get him going again for the Calgary Flames. But I just don't know. People who are a lot smarter and have spent a lot more time around hockey, uh, like Ryan Huska and Daryl Sutter and the list of coaches that have been Adam Ruz- around Adam Ruzicka have had the exact same problem that it's just it's so hard to know what to get from Adam. And those nights that aren't good, I'm sorry, they're really bad. They're just invisible nights. And you just you can't do that at the NHL level. Coaches just don't have the time for that. So I'm not surprised. I'm excited to see what Cole Schwint does with his first opportunity up with the with the Calgary Flames. He'll be paired up with somebody he knows well from the Calgary Wranglers and Adam Klapka and uh, perhaps Greer, Schwint, and, and Klapka together as a fourth line can be something of an identity maker for this Calgary Flames team who have figured out three lines really well, but that fourth line has just continued to be uh, a rotating cast of underperforming players for this group, um, at least through the first half of the season. Let's take you inside the Flames locker room. Our first check-in on a game day. We always bring you the latest from the Flames locker room here on Sportsnet today, starting with the head coach. His thoughts following morning skate on a game day against the St. Louis Blues. Here's head coach Ryan Huska. Seems like every day we ask you about another Wranglers guy that got yeah. called up. So like Schwent and how you told him, seems like he's going to be in the lineup and what you're hoping to see out of him. Um, well, we need, we need someone in the middle on the fourth line to kind of grab hold of the role. Um, so the door is open and there's opportunities there. And I, I think for him that was kind of the message. So don't overthink it. Just come and play and, and use your size to your advantage. Use your speed to your advantage and be a, a hard guy to play against. So um, he's done a good job like the other guys that we brought up from the Wranglers to earn the opportunity. And I, I hope that they all look at it as there's there's chance. If we do what they need us to do down here, there's an opportunity that may come later on. So it's, it's good. Trent and his staff have done a good job of preparing players and um, – now we want them to grab the opportunity. What do you make of, of Cole's defensive instincts? He seems like a player who seems to know that him being a defensive forward is his future in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's part of how we envision him. I mean, he, he's got a skill set, too, that you can't overlook. Like, he's a big guy that shoots the puck well. He skates well. Um, but where we kind of envision him slotting is in, in one of those roles where you're, whether it's fourth, third, or some sort of role where you're going to be relied upon to play against good players um, and to make sure you do a good job for our team. So um, he's trending in that direction, and this is his opportunity. Do you find you have to 
teach a little bit more when you've got a lineup that's, I think, a quarter of them are going to be rookies tonight. Do you find on the bench you have to teach a little bit more? Uh, I, I think you have to be careful with that because sometimes when you teach too much, they overthink. Um, so you try to do as much as you can with that prior to. So um, Cole sat with Kale earlier this morning, just a, a few reminders for him, and then you, you let him go. So he's not overthinking. We just wanted to play the game. How does it feel? We all know how last year there was a lot of reliance on older players compared to this year where it seems that almost every opportunity this organization is trying to infuse some kind of younger talent. What's it like kind of seeing the difference between last year and this year with the, the roster structural changes? I don't know if, if there's much different. Um, you know, I think when you have an older group um, and you're looking to fill holes with those guys, I, I think you trust their maturity a little bit more in certain situations in a game. Um, the younger guys, at times, you know there might be the odd mistake that they may make that you would not expect an older player to make. Um, so right now, we're, we're trying to use some of these guys to see um, how they do and if they're ready for more, and then we're able to continue to build from there. <clears throat> Pospisil and Coronado are obviously different types of players. Does the the style that line hat play uh, with Martin there, as opposed to uh, Matt there, have to change, or do you want the same sort of game from them? Well, Matt's he's not going to be uh, Marty at all, so there will be a little difference in the way that line plays. I mean, when you looked at the way Posp is on that line, he's very much the driver of that line, and he has a way of pulling his two line mates into a game. So that's not there. Uh, what Matty does is really work um, when he's on the ice, so it's important for those three guys to be around each other and use their skill set by making the short little plays to try to help them keep the puck more in the offensive zone. And they have a big challenge today. This is a big team we're facing, and if you look at that line, it's not one of our bigger lines, but they have the ability to make plays. Um, they have the ability to skate, um, you know, and, and that's what we're expecting out of them tonight. How, how important has the consistent goaltending been for your group this season? It seems like both guys have elevated their game of late, and now Markstrom seems like he's coming back in, but that yeah. position for you. Yeah, they've been excellent. They really have, both guys. I mean, there's there's all, always stretches where someone might have a couple bad games in a row, but you can't really say that much about these two guys this year. Um, Jacob elevated his play to another level recently, and I think it – whether it put pressure on, on Vladdy, I don't know, but he, he looked at it like I have to elevate mine too. So that competition between the two of them is excellent, um, and I think they're feeding off of each other right now. I think you were asked about Cole Schwinn before I snuck in a little bit late. Just kind of specifically on him, he starts the line or starts the season in the AHL on a line with Zary and Pospisil, and then suddenly they're both up and having success. I'm curious, in your experience as a coach at that level, what's it like for the guy who's left there? in terms of what kind of happens next to join his buddies at the next level? Yeah, we, we had uh, Jankowski, Manjapani, and Hathaway one year, and they all sort of at different times found their way up to the NHL, so it's no it's no different. I think the, the biggest thing that it does is create the belief that, hey, I might have an opportunity. And oftentimes when a player sees their line mates get chances, it makes them dig in a little bit more. So I think they realize that they're not that far away, and it gives them a little extra boost or motivation. There you go, checking in with head coach Ryan Huska on a game day. His Flames taking on the St. Louis Blues Tuesday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Six o'clock, Flames warm up with the one and only Pat Steinberg. They'll lead you up till seven where Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have Flames hockey for you. It's the Flames and the Blues just past seven o'clock right here on your home of the Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Did want to mention as well, Tuesday at the Dome, 
Uh, the Flames and Flames Foundation are hosting their 12th annual Hockey Talks game uh, as the Blues are at the Dome. This is uh, part of an effort with select NHL clubs dedicating one of their game nights to bringing awareness to mental health topics and supporting mental health resources and really couldn't be a more appropriate time uh, to host this night if the, you're the Calgary Flames given uh, the progress that Oliver Shillington has made and continues to make. He was at practice again uh, operating as the extra defenseman for the Calgary Flames on Tuesday and of course uh, the really um, disappointing news earlier uh, this week that Dylan Dubé has had to step away from the team due to uh, mental health issues of his own. Uh, so what's going to happen if you're going to the game on Tuesday, go to the concourse at section 227. You're going to be able to purchase mystery pucks for $20 each. Each puck is signed by a member of the Flames, and all proceeds from the sales are going to be directed to the United Way of Calgary in support of mental health programming. Um, Flames forward Jonathan Huberto has invited youth members from the Calgary Mental Health Association to take in the game uh, from his suite, Hubie's Hangout. You've heard of that before. Um, his suite offers the opportunity for deserving kids to attend a Flames game who may not otherwise have the opportunity to do so. Uh, and also a portion of the proceeds from the Flames Foundation raffle draw will be directed to mental health charities in our community, including the Canadian Mental Health Association. Um, and of course, that's part of the 60-40 draw that happens uh, rather than the 50-50 draw that usually happens uh, Tuesdays or 60-40 nights. So uh, an even better reason for you to buy a 50-50 ticket if you're heading to the Saddle Dome on Tuesday again going to be uh, hockey talks uh, in support of United Way, Calgary, and area. So if you're heading to the Dome, get one of those mystery pucks at Section 227. 20 bucks each. They're all signed uh, by a member of the Flames and proceeds going to help United Way of Calgary in support of mental health programming. So great uh, initiative, as always, by the Calgary Flames. This is their 12th edition of the annual Hockey Talks game Tuesday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Uh, another check-in at the Flames locker room on uh, Tuesday following practice. Uh, Rasmus Anderson, lots to get to with uh, Ras after practice. He uh, obviously didn't get a chance on Monday to speak to the media, but uh, lots on the news from Dylan Dubé, how good it is to have Oliver Shillington back out and uh, how the team's looking to uh, get back in the winning column as they take on the St. Louis Blues Tuesday. Let's check in with Rasmus Anderson in the Flames locker room. Rasmus, maybe just um, when you kind of look ahead to this week, obviously, uh, you know, big one considering that you get the All-Star break ahead, but um, just focus for tonight for your group especially uh, coming off a pair of losses. Uh, yeah, as you said, you know, we've lost, uh, we lost two games now and uh, just get back in the win column. And, um, you know, we're playing, uh, we're playing a team that's right there with us and, uh, you know, similar statistic numbers as us so um it's gonna be a you know a tough battle tonight and uh you know they get the better of us uh, the last time we played so uh it'll be a it'll be a you know hard-fought game and uh we gotta bring our a game tonight that's for sure it's certainly a one game at a time mentality and i know every game is important but when you look at this week this is not to be overly dramatic. Kind of a you got to have this week, don't you? Yeah, uh, especially with the you know, situation we're in. Uh, feels like you got to have each and every week and uh, each and every game, and especially you know when you when you come back from losing back-to-back games. And uh, so it's all about the response tonight, and um, and then yeah, you know take one game at a time. But uh, it starts with tonight, and. Uh, 
play a good uh, full 60 minutes tonight and then, you know, take it from there. Was, is, there a, is there a right way to handle that sort of pressure that comes with being in a spot where every week has such height and importance? I think you just got to bring it every night. And it's it's to each and every player in here. And then uh, we got to play our best every night. And, uh, you know, uh, we're at our best when we play as a team, you know, uh, 20 guys. And um, just, you know, keep going, keep, you know, Stay on the portrait, get the pucks in, get a lot of shots, and that's when we play our best. And uh, if our structure is good and our work, I think it's good. Uh, you know, we can play with each and every team in the league. Even the last two nights, I know you guys have liked stretches of your games. You know, what areas are you kind of more focused on right now in terms of kind of cleaning up? Yeah, uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk about our neutral zone, just giving up too many pucks and uh, getting too many, I guess, odd man rushes and many turnovers around the critical areas and uh, if we can clean that up I think our, our game is in a good spot How important, like Dan and Jacob have both been so consistent of late, like how important has that consistency between the fights been for you the past little bit? Right? Yeah, I mean our goal has just been good all year and that's uh, you know, uh, Vladi was really good these last two games and it was uh, it was too bad we couldn't get a win for him because he really deserved that and uh, he was outstanding especially in the in the Edmonton game, and you know it sucks to lose on that uh, that balance we did. And um, but he he's been outstanding, and Marky has been really good as well. So um, yeah, we have a lot of trust in our goalies. We uh, and we got a chance to talk to a couple guys yesterday. But, uh, from your perspective, what did it mean to see Oliver out there yesterday and uh, back on the ice here this morning? Uh, awesome. Honestly, it was just awesome. It was great to see him back, and uh, he's uh, he's uh, you know he's a great guy and a uh, fun character around the room, and uh, someone we missed a lot. That's for sure. How's he looking? I mean, this is one thing where, you know, you got to ease into this, not only off the ice, but certainly uh, on the ice. And it looked like old from the outside looking. Like he's kind of getting himself up to speed pretty quick, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've only seen him on the ice uh, yesterday, right? And uh, But, uh, you know, off the ice, he looks, you know, back to normal, if that's a term you use. And, uh, you know, he seems to have a lot of energy around him. And, um, yeah, it's just great to see him doing well. And, uh He's, uh, as I said, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a character and he's a funny guy to be around and uh, it's great to see him back uh, the way he used to be. Just on the ice, like watching from the stands, like, man, like the guy can scale down. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, can. Uh, that's, uh, that's no secret. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, he can skate with the best in the league, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a good puck mover as well. So uh, it'll be great to see him back in the lineup here soon. On, the, on that note, just with, with Dylan away, like how do you guys support teammates that are maybe going through those that challenges? How are you there for them, Rasmus? Yeah, I mean, it's it sucks to see, uh, you know, first Oliver and now Dylan. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, you just got to try to support them any way you can. And, um, you know, I think uh, I think it's, a, you know, even if you're struggling on the ice or off the ice, whatever, I mean, I think it's a good... It's a good wake-up call for, you know, a lot of Twitter monsters out there too. That's, um, you know, that's uh, that we're humans too, and um, maybe think before you write. And um, and but you know that comes, I mean, that comes with being a pro professional athlete as well. But um, you know, it's it's never easy to see someone struggle and then reading about it too. It's uh, it sucks. And uh, but you know, we try to support uh, we try to support Dill as much as we can and. Um, you know, he knows that we're we're always here for him, and um, he's gonna take the time he needs. And um, yeah, so I think it's a it's a good wake up call for a lot of people out there um, that we're humans too. Uh, really well said by Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson.
Uh, he checked in with the media Monday and uh, now Tuesday following a practice at the Scotiabank Saddledome as his team gets set to welcome in the St. Louis Blues. It's game four of a six-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. Uh, they'll take on the Blues at 7 o'clock tonight, Tuesday, at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Rasmus, um, just a lot there and a perfect, you know, sort of summation of a lot of the stuff that's been going on for uh, for the Calgary Flames recently. Obviously, all, all the stuff with Oliver Shillington and now with Dylan Dubé. Uh, a good reminder for, for everyone out there, you know, as much as players don't want to look at Twitter or Instagram or uh, whatever, um, it's hard to get away from that kind of stuff. And um, like Ras says, they are humans. They feel it. They hear it. Um, it, it does come to a degree with the territory. There's always lines and there's always things that tend to get crossed on the internet, which is um, unfortunate. But, yeah, maybe just a, a good reminder as we head into – uh, hockey talks at the uh, Scotiabank Saddledome on Tuesday for uh, Rasmus Anderson. We'll check in with Cole Schwint uh, ahead of his Flames debut as well as hear from uh, forward Andrew Mangiapane a little bit later on this afternoon. But before we uh, get out of here uh, and move on to our next segment as we take a look at the Flames opposition, I uh, did want to pass along some really sad news today from the Calgary Stampeders. Um, another longtime Stampeder and a longtime community member uh, in the city has passed away. Uh, Bruce Coverton, a longtime member of the Stampeders, passed away at the age of 57, former first overall pick in the 1992 CFL draft at a Weber State University in Ogden, Utah, was the most outstanding rookie in the West Division that same year, was a West Division All-Star in 1993 and 1994. Um, he was just a massive, massive human, six foot five, 292 pounds, Seven total seasons with the Stampeders, finishing his career in 1998. He would win two Grey Cups as a member of the Calgary Stampeders uh, and a longtime member of the Calgary community um, after his playing career. I can't imagine many Stampeders fans that spent time at McMahon that didn't run into Bruce and uh, see his big smile. He was always there supporting the team and um, now two uh, great members of the Calgary Stampeders alumni uh, Burke Dales and and Bruce Covington leaving us much too soon. He passes away at the age of 57. So uh, all the best to to Bruce's friends and family as they uh, mourn the loss of Bruce Covington, a longtime Calgary Stampeder today. Uh, we've got more Stampeders news to talk about uh, coming up a little bit later as Gene McNeil is taking over as team president of the Calgary Stampeders for John Huffnagel. But we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on this afternoon. When we come back, we will take a look at the Flames' opposition. It's their second meeting with the St. Louis Blues this season. We're talking all things St. Louis with Alex Ferrario from ESPN St. Louis next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's a game day here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, The Flames, and The Blues for the second time this season. St. Louis came out 3 nothing winners back in that rough start to the season for the Calgary Flames back on October 26th here at the Scotiabank Saddledome now. Both teams locked into a battle for the final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Flames and Blues, 6 o'clock Flames warm-up tonight with Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the call right here on your home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. As we always do on a game day, it's time for a look at the opposition. St. Louis Blues, 44 games played, 46 points. One back of the Calgary Flames, but two games in hand. 
and help us take a look at the opposition. Very happy to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our pal from 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's our pal Alex Ferrario joining us. Alex, long time uh, since we've chatted, pal. How are you? Uh, doing fantastic. Appreciate you uh, having me back on with you guys. And, uh, yeah, it feels like forever since the last time we talked. I think the last time we talked, Calgary was in a rut. The Blues looked like a team that was competing for a uh, playoff spot. And uh, now it feels like the uh, tables have flipped a little bit. Yeah, but uh, certainly interesting to see as these standings go on, how many teams in the West are still in this battle. And Calgary and St. Louis right along there. It's been, like I said, since October since we chatted and had this conversation uh, around the Blues, Alex, uh, most of the season still uh, underway, just at past the halfway mark for both teams. What's kind of been the main storyline? What's kind of been the main sticking points for the Blues 44 games in so far? It's just been inconsistency, you know? Like, it, it just it feels so odd to be talking about the Blues in a playoff spot because if you would have asked me that two weeks ago, I would have said that absolutely this team's a playoff contender because they just picked up victories against the Vancouver Canucks, the New York Rangers. They barely beat the Colorado Avalanche and beat the Dallas Stars. But you asked me the same question four days ago. They were in the middle of a three-game losing streak and looked like they were bound to fall back into where they were when Craig Berube got fired. So uh, the narrative of this Blues team has been probably what Blues fans expected. I don't think Blues fans really expected a playoff push. I think they expected probably around a 500 hockey team. And although there have been elements of the team that when you look at and you say, okay, yeah, you could see signs of this team being a playoff team, Robert Thomas, Colton Pareko, Jordan Bennington, who you guys are going to see in action tonight, that's the positive sides of it. But the negatives have been the roller coaster and the inconsistencies of one game the Blues looking like a shutdown defensive side, another game the Blues looking like they forgot how to play defense. You mentioned Craig Berube. Drew Bannister has been on the job on in an interim basis for just over a month now. What have been the most noticeable changes that you guys have seen since Craig Berube's firing? Uh, accountability, first and foremost. Uh, the press conference that Doug Armstrong held. Uh, when Drew Bannister was hired as the head coach and Craig Berube was fired back in December, you know, he talked an awful lot about how this does not reflect on Craig Berube, although he was the one that was fired for it. This reflects more on the players. And, you know, he, he spoke a lot about how it felt like the Blues would come to the rink every night and you wouldn't know what to expect. And I agree with him. One night you'd expect a 3 nothing shutout like they had against the Calgary Flames. Another night you'd expect them to get blown out like they did against the Florida Panthers. Um, but, you know, he talked about how accountability and compete were the main things that needed to change. And it's why they brought in Drew Bannister, because he was having a lot of success in the minor leagues with the roster of the younger players for the Blues. The moment he stepped in and behind the bench as the head coach, two games in, he sat Pavel Buchnevich in the third period of a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning because Buch had taken three penalties in the game and he wasn't playing up to the level of expectation. And after that game, Pavel Buchnevich said, yeah, I deserved it to be scratched in that third period. And then he came out and he picked up two goals the next night. He's done it with Jakub Verana. He did it with Sammy Blay. He did it with Matt Kessel in terms of Matt Kessel was a second pair defenseman and a third pair defenseman. And then he put him right back into the second pair because he was playing up to the level that they needed. Uh, so Drew Bannister has taken over the accountability. I think Drew Bannister is still struggling to find the compete. And it has nothing to do with him and it has everything to do with the roster. Some nights you're going to get that compete from start to finish. Other nights you're going to get the compete for one period, and the Blues disappear in the other two. So 
I think that's the growing pains of a roster that's in the middle of a retool. I think a lot of people kind of anticipated that. They're night and day better than what they were last season. And I think Drew, I think Drew Bannister has found a way to get the best out of this group. Has the as part of the retool, I was always been about handing this team to the Robert Thomases and the Jordan Kairos and let's say to the to Braden Shens and the Brandon Sods. Like, is that part of the process that we're talking about in St. Louis right now, or has that already happened? No, I, I think you nailed it. I think the reason Craig Berube was let go, and this is just my tinfoil theory on it. This has nothing to do with what the Blues have said, but the way that I viewed it was they, they, they decided to move on from Craig Berube because the message wasn't getting related to the players. And if you look at the players that they were trying to get the most out of, it was Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And it's no coincidence. Those guys, guys got those contract extensions. I would argue at the time, Craig Berube was getting the best out of Robert Thomas. I think Robert Thomas should be in the Selkie trophy conversation for what he has accomplished this season. He's had a massive turnaround, hence his all-star nominee, but you haven't seen that consistency with Jordan Cairo. Now his defensive game has gotten better than what he was last season, but now the offensive has gone to the waste side. And I, I just looked at that as Doug Armstrong put all of his chips in the middle. That was Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo of moving in the direction of these guys as the faces of the franchise. They weren't getting the best out of them. There are other players that come into play, you know, guys like Brandon Saad, Braden Shen has gone through his struggles, but those two weren't playing to the level that they needed them to play to, which is why they brought in a coach like Drew Bannister. Drew Bannister has had Jordan Tyru in the minors when he was coaching uh, for the Springfield Thunderbirds. Uh, Drew Bannister has had a lot of the guys that were on the roster. They, they're trying to find that happy medium that I don't think NHL coaches, uh, or at least a lot of NHL coaches have, and that's the ability to win but also the ability to develop younger players. And that's what Doug Armstrong talked about. They, they weren't having the success with Craig Berube at the time, and so they felt like they needed to get a new voice in there. So, yeah, long answer short here. I, I, I think Drew Bannister's – the reasoning to have Drew Bannister here is to see if they can get the best out of Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. Craig Berube wasn't able to accomplish that, so maybe Drew Bannister can. What's the, the sense you get on Drew Bannister, Alex? Is this a, a good opportunity for him to make an impression to potentially be this team's long-term solution at head coach? Is this going to be a conversation that they have in the offseason? Like what's, what's your feel on, on the long-term longevity of, of Drew Bannister in this spot? Yeah, I, I think this, he's got the best opportunity to get the job, but I don't foresee him being named the, the head coach until the offseason once the Blues do their due diligence. Uh, Doug Armstrong said it at the beginning of the press conference when he was hired that Bannister was coming in on an interim basis, that he is going to be doing a search everywhere for the next head coach of the team, and he wasn't going to update anybody on it until the end of the season. So the way I look at it is you bring in Drew Bannister to see if you can get the best out of all of these players that you have, and at the end of the season, depending on where this Blues team is, you evaluate from there. You got to see what the market looks like. You know, does Carolina not come to a deal with Rod Brendamore? Uh, is Joel Quinville available as a head coach around the NHL? And what other names are out there? I mean, we've seen tons of names uh, kind of get fired at the end of the season for not meeting expectations. So I fully anticipate Doug Armstrong looking everywhere for his next head coach. But to be Drew Bannister, where you had success, I mean, 
couple of years ago, he took the Springfield Thunderbirds all the way to the Calder Cup, Calder Cup Championship uh, with a lot of the guys that are on the NHL roster now. He's familiar with a lot of the guys that will be pursuing this NHL roster, guys like Zachary Bolduc and Zach Dean. So I think if Drew Bannister can find a way to make this team look successful at the end of the season, he'll have the best opportunity because he's here. But I don't think, let's say they get into a wild card playoff spot, let's say they miss the playoffs by three points, or that they are a bottom 10 team in the National Hockey League. I don't think any of that has any hindrance on Drew Bannister getting the job, but I also think Drew, Doug Armstrong is going to see what else is out there. Where do you feel like the the team is leaning right now, or is there a direction that they're leaning this season? Like, is there a, a noticeable push from from fans and observers of this team to say, "Hey, look, you're you're in the race for a wild card spot, same as Calgary, Arizona, Seattle. You guys should make a, every effort to try to push for the playoffs." Or is it somewhere in between where they're going to just let it fall where it may and if come trade deadline time, they're they're not in it. Maybe you sell off some assets and and look to next season. You mentioned that it's kind of a, a retool process for the Blues right now, so I'm curious where expectations kind of sit just past the halfway mark for this team. Yeah, you know, Jeremy Rutherford, our, uh, our Blues insider who covers the team for the Athletic, he, he had a fan survey that dropped earlier today, and some of the results were a little surprising to me. You know, a lot of people, I think it was over 50%, said that they weren't surprised at where this team was. Over 50% said that they don't want to go into a full-blown rebuild and over 50% said they don't want to see the Blues trade away guys like a Jordan Bennington or a Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, I think fans are, are on the same timeline and wavelength that Doug Armstrong is. He's been very honest and upfront with Blues fans of stating, like, look, this, this is a, a, a similar retool to the same length that the L.A. Kings. He talked about a three-year plan last year that I think he's still under the full understanding that that's where this Blues team is at. They're stuck with some contracts right now. They really don't have a lot of wiggle room in terms of player-for-player player trade because there are no trade clauses on this roster. Um, but I, I think Doug Armstrong is a very honest man when he looks at this team. And when you look at this team, 22-20-2, I think the record is, they're a 500 club. And I'll take you guys back to February of 2018 when the Blues were one point out of a playoff spot and Doug Armstrong opted to trade Paul Stastny to the Winnipeg Jets because he felt like it wasn't a team that could really do damage, mm-hmm. and he had to reset the clock. I think he's probably going to be looking at it the same way. Here's the issue for me. You're not in the same situation that you were last year where you had desirable unrestricted free agents that you could eat 50% of the contract and maximize your return. You know, you don't have the O'Reilly's and the Tarasenko's and the Barbashev. I think the only unrestricted free agents you have are Marco Scandella, who I think could probably get you a third or a fourth round draft pick, a very valuable piece that's been good this season. Uh, a Kasperi Kapanen, who's injured right now. A Yakub Verana, who's playing in the minor leagues for the Blues. And then an Oscar Sundquist, who part of me wonders if the Blues would like to keep him in-house. So there's not, there's not anything that's going to bring you back first round draft picks unless you, you're trading contract with term on it and i don't know what the appetite is around the national hockey league so i think if the blues in this next five to ten game stretch can go on a a similar win streak like what the calgary flames did a few games ago i think doug armstrong could look at this and say you know what if there's a player that we can acquire for a late draft pick maybe we do so um or if there's somebody through waivers maybe we do so but I think the more likely and best-case scenario is this team stands pat and says, let's just let it play out and see what happens. And in a 
scenario that Doug Armstrong looks at and says there's really not much here, they sell off their unrestricted free agents, and they see if there's an appetite for guys with term. Alex Ferrario along with us, 101 ESPN in St. Louis, uh, Blues Radio pre- and post-game host, also the co-host of BK and Ferrario weekdays in St. Louis, helping us take a look at the opposition tonight for the Calgary Flames. It is uh, the St. Louis Blues. And, uh, Alex, you guys are going through something pretty similar to what we've been talking about a lot here in Calgary, and that's a, a struggling power play. And it's very surprising, you know, to look at a Blues roster with some of the guys that we've mentioned you know, Cairo, Thomas, even guys like Braden Shannon, Pavel Buchnevich, uh, to look at the St. Louis Blues and find them near the, the league's lowest power play percentages and one of the worst so far in, in Blues history. How much has that been a talking point for this group? And, and what seems to be the problem with the power play? Yeah, it's been a massive talking point with this team. And uh, they had a stretch a few games ago where they had gone five for 10 in three games. And People were thinking like, oh, maybe they figured this one out. And for those that don't know, you know, when the Blues made the coaching change, they also brought in Brad Richards uh, as a consultant for the power play. So he kind of works with the Blues uh, power play units from wherever he's stationed at. Um, And and look, the power play has been better under Drew Bannister. I think they've been top half of the league, if not top 10, since Drew Bannister has taken over. But the problem is you're not getting your best players contributing on the power play. Jordan Cairo has only one power play goal and nine power play points. Uh, Robert Thomas has less than three power play goals. Like your power play has been kind of hit or miss on some of your top players. A lot of the power play points have come from guys like Jake Neighbors, have come from guys like um, a lot of their defensemen, Colton Pareko, Tori Krug. So to me, their power play has been a lot of the inability to sustain offensive zone time. Drew Bannister has talked a lot about how they don't have a net front presence on the power play, which they put Jake Neighbors there, they put Oscar Sundquist there, and we're starting to see a little bit more net front presence. But, man, the biggest bugaboo for this team has been the inability to connect on passes. They, they, they have so much zone time, and they're good at terms of quick puck movement, but that final play that they're searching for, whether it's the bumper in the middle that can get the one-timer off or a one-timer on the far side, they're – they, they, they lack the ability to shoot those pucks and to get it on net, which I think allows the power play to be a little bit more predictable. The penalty kill have success. So um, they, they just have not been, they've not been completing their power play opportunities if it hasn't been deflection because that offense just has not been there. And just like in Calgary, I, I'm sure a lot of Blues fans are going, I don't know what the problem is because when you've got Thomas and Cairo and Butch Davich and Jake Neighbors and Braden Shen and Brandon Saad, you're still not scoring. You don't know what the result is, and so they just keep going back out there and seeing if something changes. Uh, what's the goalie combination been like for uh, Jordan Bennington and Joel Hofer? I know uh, the start of the calendar year has been great for Bennington. 4-1-1, one, one, a 198 goals against, and a 932 save percentage uh, in six starts in 2024. But uh, a little bit of a different experience sharing the net with Joel Hofer uh, on a more regular basis this season compared to any other season for Joel What's that uh, relationship been like? What's goaltending been for this Blues team through 44 games? I think if you were to to break it up into a pie chart, a large slice of the pie, the reason why the Blues are fighting for a playoff spot still still is because of their goaltending. Jordan Bennington, to me, has been one of the top 10 goalies in the National Hockey League, and his saves above expected goals showcase that. Like MoneyPuck.com, I think, has him 
uh, eighth or tenth right now in goals saved above expected. Uh, Jordan Bennington has been the guy that I think a lot of Blues fans thought that he was and wasn't the last couple of seasons for whatever it might be. Some of that is just a, a different mindset of Jordan Bennington. I think the offseason did him a lot of justice in terms of refocusing of where he's at. The Blues tightened up defensively from where they were last year. That's made a big difference. But it also has to do with Joel Hofer. And I know Bennington's the one playing tonight. Hofer was the one that got the shutout against the Flames earlier in the season. Uh, Joel Hofer, uh, he's been a 9-10 save percentage. He's had his roller coaster start to where one game he's looked lights out, another game he's struggled a little bit. But they're back to having a, a tandem, which the Blues got away from last year. Uh, no, nothing against Thomas Grice, but he just wasn't that guy that could push Jordan Bennington the way that Joel Holfer has done, the way that Billy Husso did, the way that Jake Allen did. I think that's where Jordan Bennington benefits the most when he's getting those games off and when you're getting the competition from the other goaltender. That's where they flourish. If there's one area that the Blues are in great shape with to get out of this retool, it's their goaltending situation. So Bennington gets the start tonight. I think Calgary Flames team or fans are going to see why Bennington has been such an MVP for this Blues team this season. Um, I think he's been an all-star, and I think Joel Hofer has been uh, arguably very good also for the Blues. So their goaltending tandem is the reason that they're staying afloat in this playoff race. Uh, Alex, really awesome insight as always, man. Really enjoy our chances to chat and uh, get caught up on everything uh, with the St. Louis Blues. Enjoy the game tonight. I know you guys got a tough road trip coming up, but uh, always appreciate you hopping on with us here in Calgary, pal. Absolutely, Logan. Always appreciate you having me on, man. Looking forward to uh, hopefully talking more Blues and Flames down the road with you. Can't wait, pal. Take care. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks. You too, buddy. There you go. Alex Ferrario joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline for a look at the opposition. It is the 22-20-2 St. Louis Blues coming into the Saddle Dome for their second visit to Calgary this season. First was a 3-0 St. Louis victory back on October 26th over the Calgary Flames. Alex, uh, the co-host of BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN Radio in St. Louis, host of their pre- and post-game shows uh, for Blues Radio as well. So appreciate Alex joining us this afternoon. And uh, this Blues team is one that confuses me at the best of times. Again, as Alex said, you know they're kind of in the middle of a retool, but it's a weird spot to be in. And I wonder about the future of a guy like Doug Armstrong to get them out of this. They're one of those teams right up against the cap, but they have very few assets to sell off. Like Sammy Blay is a a UFA, Adam Gaudet, Oscar Sundquist, Marco Scandella. Those are the only guys coming off of the books, and you're locked in long-term for a guy like Braden Shen. you got a couple more years uh, of Pavel Buchnevich and Brandon Saad, Kevin Hayes. Just joined St. Louis this last season, and you know you're trying to turn things over to the younger guys, but you've still got a lot of experienced vets in St. Louis taking up significant cap space and significant ice time. Um, they've got some draft picks. They've got a second rounder and a third rounder extra uh, in this year's upcoming NHL draft. So be interesting to see where they land because if they're out of the playoff race come trade deadline. Maybe that's a team that has a conversation about one or two of those vets. Could you sell somebody on a, a Pavel Buchnevich, uh, who's just 28 years old and has two years left uh, on his contract? Do you start having conversations about you know maybe some people on the defense? But it's so hard. Um, as I look at cap friendly right now, 
Braden Shen, no trade clause. Pavel Buchnevich, modified no trade clause. Brandon Sott has a no trade clause. Uh, Kevin Hayes has a modified no trade clause. Um, five of their current defensemen on the roster have full no trades or partial no trades. Falk, Krug, Pareko, Letty, and Scandella all have some form of no trade protection. So if they don't want to go anywhere or they don't want to go anywhere but a contender, and that sometimes limits your options as far as a return goes for the Blues, they're kind of in a tough spot when it comes to retooling on the fly. Um, it's going to be an interesting team. They've given the Flames some trouble. Good news for uh, Flames fans heading into this one. Um, they have not, the Blues have not been very good on the road this season. Uh, 8 12 and 1 record on the road. One of the largest point differential swings between a home record and a road record of any NHL team this season are the Blues. So uh, they've lost seven of their last 10 on the road. They've been outscored 33 17. Their power play virtually non existent, and they're into Vancouver uh, tomorrow for the second half of this back to back that starts. Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Sound Dome. So that's your look at the opposition on this Tuesday game day for the Calgary Flames. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We're kicking off hour two next. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.